Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of River Fire. I'm your man, Tommy Codell, and I'm so excited. I got a special guest in the building, uh, my man, Ian. And uh, Ian's going to be breaking down some, uh, some brand new topics for us and just taking us a little deeper than we've been before. And uh, so I remember I met Ian not too long ago, and he was sharing some really interesting things about suffering and uh, his perspective on it, how God's revealed it to him. And so I want to turn it over to him to uh, share, see if you want to go into that or if there's anything else that uh, the Spirit has laid upon your heart. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah, uh, it's such a pleasure to be on the show. So thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, bro. Anytime. Um, yeah, so what I was, let's see, I can't remember when that was that I was sharing that, probably a few months ago. Um, can't remember what month it was, but I mean, there was just some really uh, significant uh, things going on in my life, you know, at the time, as far as what the shifting that had been taking place that God was kind of just working, walking me through to, uh, to bring me to where I am today. And I, I know that's true for all of us, you know, there's always seasons and times in our lives where we, we just, God puts us in, in trying times, he puts us in trying circumstances and situations um, and it's always, it's always for our benefit, you know, and that's, that's the important thing to, to keep in mind. Um, you know, if you look at the, you look at the life of Job, right. You know, he was, he was a blessed man in every way. He had an abundance of everything he wanted. You know, he had, he had family, he had friends, he had food, he had surplus, he had abundance. And then one day, uh, God took it all away from him. And, uh, you know, this, so the book of Job is really all about what the what the process uh was that job went through right so you have the start of the story where everything was great and then the vast majority of that whole book is job going through hell basically um and you know i say that because it was basically it was the plan of the enemy right you know satan stood before the throne and said uh you know i can i basically can i can i mess with job's life and and yahweh said yeah just don't kill him um, so in, in a sense, it was, it was all the power of hell unleashed on him in a sense, but it was all the important thing to, that I think to keep in mind is that it was all under the covering or the banner of Yahweh, right? So he was the one that, that basically ordained, foreordained, and also allowed Job to go through that. And it was because he knew the fruit that would come out on the other side in Job's life. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily have to go into the whole teaching uh, or whatever, but but I, the, the few things, a few takeaways that I that I really wouldn't mind sharing is, one is that that suffering is it's an intrinsic part of God's God's design for the human life, and when I say that, what I mean is not that God created us so that we could suffer, but so that as because God created us, He He chose suffering as an avenue for us to uh, step into a greater level of breakthrough, union, intimacy, um, and dominion with Him. Uh, it's it's one of the one of the principles of of the universe. You know, universal principles is that resistance and friction is what creates breakthrough. Right? It's it's only when you're faced with challenges that you're able to. Um, I guess you could say you could put it a lot of different ways, but you're. It's only when you're faced with challenges that you're able to really see where the rubber meets the road. It's when you really find out what's inside of you, and if what's inside of you is lacking, it's that very there's that very circumstance that gives you the opportunity to rise above and to become someone greater than you have been up to that point. And because of that, God has, he's, he's hardwired, uh, friction, difficulty, uh, you know, within our very being, 
you know, within the situation that we find ourselves in, right? So when, you know, Satan was kicked out of the, was kicked out of the, kicked out of the garden, or actually, let's, let's go back, rewind even a little bit more, when there was a war in heaven, you know, and Satan and the third of the angels rebelled, um, you know, where did God put him? He put him on the one place that we were going to be, right? And, and I don't think it was God just not realizing, oh, I'm going to actually use planet Earth for some cool things later on, where, you know, humans will be there. I, you know, it was all part of his plan, right? And so he, like Satan has access here for a reason, for a purpose. And it's actually to help create and form us as, uh, as mature sons and daughters of God. You know, there's that, that prophecy in uh, Genesis 3. I think I have it written down real quick. Yeah, so Genesis 3, you know, after the fall, we have, uh, you know, uh, Yahweh, basically speaking to the man and to the woman, to Adam and Eve. And to Eve, he says, uh, he, he says this, this, this really quick phrase. And it, I think a lot of times we don't understand the deeper uh, implication of it, right? But he's talking to Eve and he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, right? Mm-hmm. And so what, what he's saying there is, in order for you, and, and this is a prophetic statement, by the way. Yes, maybe he was saying, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt for you when you have kids, right? But what is he really saying? He's really saying it's gonna. It's only through pain. It's only through trial. It's only through tribulation and difficulty are you actually gonna bring forth and bear forth the children, the sons of God, right? It's it's interesting just how how beautifully God has orchestrated just all the all the things that He has. Like and and just another thing that would confirm that prophetic word is, you know, the fact that uh, a, a woman is a woman becomes pregnant for 40, 40 weeks before she gives birth. Right. And 40 is a, it's the exact number of trial, tribulation and, and difficulty biblically. Right. So I don't think it's an accident that those things are aligned. It's just it's just another way of God's God's way of saying, like, hey, you know, in order to birth the sons and daughters of God, you know, in order to truly fulfill your purpose, speaking to Eve, but also to all of us. Right. You're going to have to walk through some trial and tribulation. Um, and that's 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 part of what suffering is. And we can choose to, to see it that way, you know, so anytime that we encounter suffering, we can look at it and we can say, man, my life sucks, you know, this is going on, that's going on, and this things aren't the way I want them to be. Or we can look at it as an opportunity to say, you know, Yahweh actually foreordained this, he's in charge, he's up, you know, he's the guy at the top, right, he's, he's in charge, he's running the show, he, he set me into the situation, and it's for my greater good. And if I choose to see it that way, and I choose to partner with him, rather than you know, reject, reject him, reject the situation, reject the, the opportunity that he's presented me with. Uh, there's so much, so much growth that can happen in those types of situations. Um, and I, I think it's really, really interesting too, just because of all the craziness, you know, that's going on in the world right now. It's, you know, before 2020, you could probably say with the straight face that the world's relatively normal, you know, and you'd be, You'd probably be right in saying that, but this year everything's gone out the window, right? I, I think normal is normal is no longer what normal was, you know, at least even a year ago. And so we're really stepping into some trying times. And I think a lot of people, whether they're ready for it or not, are really stepping into a place where they're going to be tried. And so I think just having having a really good understanding of some of the the dynamics of how God works is is really important right now. Definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. As you were saying, I know definitely this year could have been a trying one for many. Um, I know there's probably some people out here suffering and dealing with some things. So I wanted to ask you, what would you say to somebody who's been through something traumatic that, you know, maybe it wasn't their fault that that happened to them, and their life is kind of broken over it? Maybe 
um, they had a separation from a spouse or they've been abandoned or experienced some kind of trauma. Um, and they're just kind of feeling like, you know, why did this happen to me? Or, you know, where's God? Uh, what do you think you can say to somebody going through something like that? Well, I think every situation is different, you know, and that's, that's what makes it so tough. Right. And at, yeah. at the end of the day, we really have to be, we have to be led by the spirit, you know, and that's, that's one of the most important things is that we're continually seeking the heart of God in every situation, because it's so easy to be, to be pulled or led astray by something. And it can be, it can be uh, a misinterpretation of scripture. It could be um, advice from a friend. It could even be, you know, a feeling inside that we it just might not be an accurate feeling. You know, we can't always trust our feelings. You know, you know, even in scripture, it says the, the heart is, what is it, wicked and deceitful above all things. And I know it's, I understand that's an Old Testament scripture, but, but the principle still applies, right? Because, because our, our hearts, they're part of our soul, um, and our soul is not completely refined yet, right? It has not um, fully manifested the light of, of Christ yet. And until that happens... Uh, our our emotions will sometimes deceive us, right? And and I know like when someone's going through something uh, something difficult, you know, it's very very easy to to uh, to apply blame to someone or something else, right? And I think you know, and again, every situation is different, but I think if you can keep your heart in a in a place of one brokenness, and when I say brokenness, I mean it is broken to everything of the world. And it only desires what God wants for it. Um, if you can keep your heart in that place, like God will take you through any situation, right? And I think a lot of the difficulties come when we're when we step out of that place of brokenness and we we try to we try to take charge, um, we try to direct the narrative, so to speak. And those are the situations where I think we can kind of find ourselves in a lot of trouble, or we can kind of fall off the path. Um, and and again, like I, I don't think that. You know, there's and there's different ways of looking at every situation too, right? So you can say like, God's in charge of everything. God ordains everything. God makes everything happen. True, right? Or you could you can level down just like in the story of Job, and you could say, well, God's in charge, but he's kind of he's Satan has delegated authority in the sense of wherever there's sin, you know, and things like that, or whatever. Satan has a limited amount of 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 reign here on earth, and that's also true, right? So at the end of the day, you can look at any situation and you can say this is, this is the devil attacking me or this, you know, this is, this is evil. This is Satan. This is whatever. Or you can say, this is God. Right. And, and either one would be true. Um, there's different examples in scripture where I could, I could lay out to, to kind of prove that point further, but I don't feel like we necessarily need to go that deep into it, but just, to, just to, to, for, I really want people to be aware of the fact that at the end of the day, God is in charge. Number one, number two, God is, he's so good. He's so much better than you could ever imagine him to be so anything that you're going through no matter how difficult it may seem even if it may seem hopeless even if it may seem like there's no way you know you're going to be able to get through it like just trust in him keep your heart broken towards everything but him and just just rely on him to, to carry you through it and, and he definitely will and you will eventually come out on the other side you know the same way job did um i don't know about any of you guys but i have not gone through anywhere near what job went through and yet he was still able to, to in some sense, you know, keep his heart pure and recognize that he, he was not in charge of the situation. You know, he was not the creator. God was. And when God basically revealed that to him, Joe, basically he stepped back and said, who am I? Right. And so 
And so if we can keep that position towards God, uh, I think that he will, he'll definitely carry us through. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Jehovah went through some real stuff, like lost all his family, his, uh, his house, even his wife was trying to curse him. Uh, his skin got all messed up and he was just like, his friends weren't any help to him. So that, I mean, that's, that's the perfect example of someone who has endured. And then we see in James, how God restored, not just what he had before, but just uh, double that. So, you know, the reward of persevering and faith is really uh, a great and amazing thing if you can get through it. And um, I'm just reminded of this example real quick, how, um, like you were saying, the way you look at the situation when David did something wrong, he took a census and God gave him a few different options about, you know, you can get taken over by the Assyrians, I think it was, or, you know, fall into the hand of the enemy or this and that. But David chose to fall into the hand of the Lord, even though it was a pestilence. Um, but he, he chose that because he knew that God was merciful and he'd rather choose to believe that he, even though there's going to be suffering, uh, he'd rather be in the hand of the Lord in it through it all instead of just looking at it as, you know, this is just the enemy messing up my life. So I like what you said about the perspective there. Um, going to the next thing, I really see, uh, just looking at you, just see the mantle of sonship. So I was just wondering if the Lord has shown you anything about sonship, if you experience walking in this new creation or um engaging in the in the heavenly realm at all if there's anything uh in your heart to share on that oh yeah sure i mean i, I think i really i really believe that this is this is a call for everyone you know everyone on earth right now uh we've been we've been not only sent here i i i, I do believe that we we chose to come here at such a time as now um to to face some really really interesting and difficult times um, but all into a purpose. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people that are saying that we're we're stepping into the the very end. You know, the final the final hour, so to speak, right? Um, the last days and the last hours of the last days, right? And if if that if that be true, if that be the case, then we're going to experience some really really interesting things, um, and it's not going to be easy, right? A lot of people that read, you know, they read through the Book of Revelation, they're they're the thought that they're left with is the world's going to end, right? Everything that, everything terrible that can happen is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And then the end will come. And that's, and that's definitely one perspective on it, right? But there's, there's an even greater or a higher perspective on what the book of Revelation was about. An interesting thing is that it was written by an overcomer, you know, John the Revelator, who, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I've heard some accounts of people still, still connecting with him on earth today. You know, there's, wow. there's a lot of testimonies about him still, still being active here on earth. There's, there's the the written testimony of Jerome that he he was actually unable to be killed. You know when the when the when they tried to kill him, they tried to boil him in water and they couldn't kill him. And I forget how many different ways they tried to kill him, but they couldn't kill him, so they ended up just throwing him on the island of Patmos. And uh, there's no record of him ever dying. So my belief, anyways, is that he's he is one of the overcomers, right? And so when he wrote the book of Revelation, he actually I believe that he wrote it through the lens of an overcomer. Right. And I believe that if we step into that and, and see it through that lens, it takes on such a, a much more beautiful and dynamic expression of what, of what God has planned for us uh, regarding sonship. And you know, some people call it some people really talk about sonship. Some people some people talk about becoming the bride of Christ. And there's different 
there's different terms that different people use. And I'm not necessarily saying they're exactly the same thing, but for, for general purposes, uh, a lot of those are very closely aligned. So I'll just kind of use them all kind of under the same umbrella, so to speak. Uh, but I think that where we're stepping into as, as an entire group is, is gonna be absolutely mind blowing, right? You know, we read some Old Testament uh, prophecies about what these times might look like. We, we look at like Joel 2, we look at, I think it was somewhere in Isaiah 60 or 61, maybe where it talks about, I'm not sure on the chapter actually, where it talks about if if a, if a if, if someone dies at age 100, they'll be considered a young child, right? So we talk about age extension, we talk about some some creative miracles and other things that we're, we're going to have capacity as to do um, by our own free will as sons and daughters, right? And I think that's where uh, one of the important things is we have to realize that we're stepping into a day and age where we're actually going to be running the show, so to speak, right? So you have in the old covenant, you have basically God doing everything, right? If there's a problem, God comes down, he fixes it, right? He parts the Red Sea, he sends plagues, he does this, he does that, God's in charge. New Testament comes and you have God basically delegating authority and spreading his spirit out among his people to the point where people now have the, the, the capacity to do what God had done in, in olden times, right, in the old covenant. And I think now we're stepping into a completely new age, right? And so uh, Ephesians 2, I believe, verse 5, maybe 5 or 6, talks about the ages to come, right? And so we're stepping in one of the ages to come. And this is an age where we're actually, we're stepping into a manifestation of what it would look like to be God here on earth right which is exactly what yeshua did right when he came he actually he he stepped in as a full representation of, of god here on earth and the beautiful thing about uh the beautiful picture that the bible paints is that we get to do the same thing that yeshua did right because yes you know yeshua was the firstborn son but if he's the firstborn that means there's other ones to be born still right and that's 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 us that's you that's me that's everyone that's listening to this um and so that's the the future that's light the that's laid out before us is we actually get to step into a role where we're going to have have the same authority that that yeshua had here on earth and and in the heavenly realms right but in order for us to do that we need to be completely 100 percent devoted to the will of god right and that's why we need to be purified in order to walk like that um you know an example i use is like could you imagine like for a second if if every thought that you thought in your head instantly manifested like, I don't know about you, but I think that would be a pretty scary thing. You know, um, you know, they say that they say the average person, 80% of their thoughts are negative, right? So, uh, so imagine if you, you're walking around with the authority and the mm -hmm. power of that, that everything you think or everything you say or everything you feel in your heart instantly would manifest and shift the reality around you, right? Wow. I mean, it's, 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 it's scary, but it's, it's, but it's also powerful, right? It, but it, it's, it's one of those things that it's one of those dynamics that we're we're given a foretaste of right now, you know, our lives, even now today, you know, they've proven scientifically through quantum quantum physics that we actually are shifting, we are affecting, you know, the, the reality around us, right? So your 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 mind carries a, I believe it's like a one to two foot radius around it that electromagnetically you'll influence by your thoughts. And then your heart has a five to ten foot radius around you. So wherever you're going with, within you, with wherever you're going within five to 10 feet around you, you're actually electromagnetically influencing everything around you. You're shifting it, whether you see it, whether you believe it or not, it's true, right? So imagine that that same power times a thousand or times a hundred thousand times a million, right? 
And that's what we're stepping into as, as sons and daughters. Um, but in order to do that, we have to be completely given over to the will of God, because otherwise we're going to run into some really um, difficult situations where we're not, if, if our maturity level is not where it needs to be, we're not going to be able to bring the kingdom. Uh, we're not going to be able to be trusted, right? And that's why I think um, a lot of the parables that Jesus you know, uses, he talks about being trusted with little and being given much, right? So we read those parables and we think, oh, it's like a one-time thing, right? So, you know, there's the parable where I think it was the master went away and he gave the coins to his servants and one of them buried his coin, one of them doubled it, or I think two of the others doubled it, right? And we think, oh, it's a one-time thing. So I just need to like do good once and then I get more. Um, for the rest of eternity. And, and you know, it's true in, in a heavenly perspective, right? We can go to heaven someday, but think about that same principle being true for, for every day of our lives, right? With the, the choices that we make, you know, we can receive, we can receive uh, benefit and we can receive more inheritance and more authority in the spirit each and every day that we continue to make these, these choices to, to pursue him and to conform our will to his. And, and I will say, I, I believe that's the most important thing that, can, that anyone could be working on right now. Like if you, if you're, you ever have a question about like what you should be doing or, you know, what, how can I get closer to God or, you know, what is his will for me? I would say this, just make sure your heart is completely given over to his will and purpose and plan for you, whatever that may be. And if you have a question about what that is, uh, I would say the answer is just to love, right? To love him, to love others. And that's, that's the greatest commandment that, that Jesus uh, brought to us. But as far as, you know, as, as sonship goes, I mean, I, I've seen, I've seen little bits and pieces um, I, you know, as I think many of us have, but I think, I think what we're stepping into as a whole species in the very near future is going to, it's going to blow away anything we've heard of before. Anything, even, you know, your, take your, your who's who in the zoo, as far as preachers goes, right. And some of the, the manifestations they've seen so far, you know, whatever they may be, I really believe in the next short amount of time, you know, I don't want to put a number on it, but in the, in the very near future, we're going to see things that are, you know, just incomparably greater than what we've seen so far. And it's just because of the level of manifestation that's gonna be required to help bring about the kingdom because of everything that's transpiring on earth right now. Amen, amen. I, you're kind of going into my next question there. I'm just reminded of, as you were speaking in Romans eight, it talks about how all creation is groaning and longing for the unveiling of the sons of God. And uh, so we hear a lot about the doom and gloom, about the end times, this and that. But I always like to look at the, the bright side of what it's going to look like for the sons of God, because eventually in Revelation says we'll be ruling and reigning with Christ. And so I was wondering what you think, do uh, you have any thoughts that what that might look like um, as the sons of God are continuing to be unveiled in this day and age? Yes. Sure. Well, I think I think a good starting place is is the millennial kingdom, right? A good starting place is Zion, the New Jerusalem here on earth, right? The the birthing place or the, I guess maybe the centerpiece of of God's uh, God's God's kingdom, um, and that's a, that's a good place to start, right? So what is what is Earth going to look like while all of these transition you know transitions are taking place and things are happening? Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to be we're going to be shifting and moving. Uh, I believe that there will be a lot of, a lot of the things that we, that we, that we think are possible spiritually, but not necessarily physically are going to begin to manifest. Right. And, and the interesting thing is the only difference between the spiritual and the, the, the physical or the scientific is just, it's a, it's a block in our belief system. 
right? So, so for instance, if you go back 500 years in, into the past and you were to take a flashlight with you, people would look at you and think you're, you're a witch or something or a wizard because you can make, you can create light out of thin air, right? And so, and if you think about 500 years in the future, the same things that we think are, are magical or mystical or spiritual now, in the future, 500 years down the road, we'll probably have a, you know, a scientific understanding of an, an inner and outer working of how those things work, right? So the reality is a lot of it just has to do with our perception of, of what's possible. And the beautiful thing is because of, because of the advancements, both within the scientific world, but also our understanding of who we are spiritually as, as beings, as sons and daughters of God, I think there's just, uh, there's just gonna be a, a manifold awakening within the whole human race of what's possible. Uh, I, I do believe that we'll be able to instantly create by our spoken word, to instantly create by our thoughts, to instantly create by our feelings and have such a strong impact on the energetic grid that we can literally shift realities of, of large areas around us. You know, and I think we've we've seen probably little tiny bits and pieces of that in, in scripture and in maybe some some lives of lives of the saints. But I'm, I'm talking on like on a massive scale. Because again, like Earth is just a training ground. This is this is you know this is the epicenter. This is stage one of our of our unlimited glory to glory, eternal growth and uh, and advancement in the kingdom and in our unity with Yahweh. Right. So Earth is Earth is one planet out of hundreds of trillions. Right. Within our known universe, which is potentially one universe within who knows how many other universes are out there, scientifically speaking. Right. Um, so we got we have a lot of ground to cover, and if you think about too the fact that the uh, the universe is expanding constantly at the speed of light, which is pretty fast, by the way. There's a lot of things that are being created each and every second, and something there's a purpose for all of it, right? So God, I don't believe that God creates anything just for fun, but He has a purpose for everything. And if that be the case, there's a lot of space out there that needs governing, and and I do believe that we're going to be a huge part of that of that governing process. Wow. Amen. Yeah, it's just mind-blowing to think about because it talks about how God is the creator, and we see this in Genesis. But then, you know, in the New Testament, we also see that Christ is in us. And so I don't think we've scratched the surface on the capability that we have inside of us, you know, as things unfold, as the sons of God are unveiled. Um, what we're going to be doing, like you said, creating, uh, speaking, doing the things that he does. And so I was going to ask you, uh, you know, some people think, you know, have this perception of like what heaven might look like, you know, after they, they die or whatever. Um, or, I mean, we know we can access that realm now or at least parts of it. Um, but what do you think that after this life, you know, and so to say our body, you know, we take on a glorified body, um, has the Lord shown you anything about what we may be doing like down the road years from now? Well, I think, I think there's a lot of ways to answer that question. Um, I, I think one way to look at it is, and this is, this is one way I like to look at it anyways, is like I was saying earlier, I think everything has a plan and a purpose, right? So if, if God was to send us on, on earth in such a, you know, with so much death, destruction, chaos, difficulty, evil, and sin abounding, right? Um, I believe it's for a purpose. And, and I don't believe the purpose is so that we would just like do the best we can for 60, 70, 80 years, whatever the case may be. And then we die. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, Yahweh clicks his fingers and everything's magically perfect, right? Because to me, that would go against everything that we were sent here for. Because every time that we overcome a situation, every time we face difficulty, trial, friction, evil, right? Every time we face those things and overcome them, we actually shift and change who we are on the inside. We actually mature. And that maturity, that actually stays with us for the rest of eternity. So I don't, I don't personally believe that we just do the best we can for 60, 70, 80 years. And then after we die, we just become perfect like him. I do believe that there is a, a transformation that takes place. But I, I really believe that what we're doing here on earth now, we're going to be continue to be doing for the rest of eternity. And what I, what I mean by that is we're going to continue for the rest of eternity to be molded and conformed into his image. Right. And because I don't I don't believe anything is wasted. And I also don't believe it's fair that, you know, some of us may be alive on Earth for 100 plus years and other of us only for five or 10 years. Right. Um, I, I don't think that that would be fair for God to just say, oh, well, you know, so and so had more time than you. So he got more advancement, you know. Um, but I, I do believe that God works everything out for good. But that being said, I, I, I strongly believe that we will continue to be molding ourselves into his image for the rest of eternity and eternity is a really long time and i don't really know exactly what that looks like but i do know this that that god is he's way beyond where we're at as far as comprehension level so to even try to explain what that could look like i think is is very challenging i, I think a lot of times we we think we know who and what god really is and that's I think that's a it's a really easy trap to fall into right because it's like oh well, oh we have the word and the word says you know this is yahweh this is kind of what he looks like so he's got you know he, this is kind of what he has around his throne this is kind of the way he talks because he talks to us and and so we think we have a pretty good idea of who god is and in one sense that's true right but if if you really take a step back and you recognize what god's doing it can kind of give you a better picture of who god is because like for instance if you were if you were uh, some bugs on the ground, like a group of ants, and you were looking up at humans, like you would have absolutely no idea the, the realm or the world that humans live in. You wouldn't understand language. You wouldn't understand anything that humans were doing as an ant, right? You have no, no comprehension of it whatsoever. So now imagine us being the ant, but then God being a thousand times more magnified than a human being, right? And it starts to give you a picture of how limited we are in our comprehension of them. And, and I think, you know, I think that God, he reveals himself to us in simple ways that we can grasp, right? He reveals himself through, through, through symbols and through analogies and things like that. He even reveals himself, you know, he sent, he sent his son in the form of a man. So we can, we can get an understanding of, of some type of, you know, relationship with God, because I believe he's so far beyond what we could even perceive with our senses that if he didn't do that, it would be, again, it would be like an ant trying to understand something a, a thousand magnifold, you know, beyond its, its capacity. And so I, I think that God simplifies things for us. And the best way for me to at least picture what we're going to be doing is imagine the absolute most like astounding, mind-blowing uh, abilities of, of who and what we could be, right, as individuals. Like whatever our, whatever our capacities and our imagination could conceive, Right. So that would be a good starting point for what I think we're going to be doing in the ages to come, because that I mean, it, we can, you know, there's there's that there's a principle that we can only we can only uh, we can only create something if we can see it or we can imagine it. Right. 
So, so if we're limited by our imagination, then that means we have very, very, very strong potential. But at the same point in time, compare our imagination to Yahweh's. And it just gives you a kind of a picture of how much farther we have to go. Right. Um, and so I, I don't I don't really know the best way of answering your question other than to say it's going to be it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be multifaceted. It's going to be multidimensional. I think it's going to exit even beyond our perception of, of what we would call physical reality and space time and go beyond even that into, you know, interdimensional quantum realms where where the rules that we have seen in our universe, the known physical laws of the universe don't even apply anymore. Um, I don't know if that helps at all, but it's, it's maybe a, st- a small starting point. Yeah, that's amazing. That that definitely sounds like something I want to be a part of for sure. Um, uh, I just keep having this question come up. Uh, I don't know how deep we can get into it, but I just like sometimes I wonder about uh, if certain people can miss their purpose or, you know, they're, they're on here for an assignment and maybe they don't completely fulfill that assignment. Um, I was wondering if you could speak on that or if, if you have any insight on that. Um, or if there's like, how can that person get back on track, uh, et cetera? Well, I, I will say this. I do believe that, that nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also believe that, that God is a redeemer of time. Uh, there's, I'm sure, I know there's a scripture in, there, in the Bible somewhere that talks about that. And I, I can't pull it up right now off, off the top of my head. But, but I believe that one of, the, one of the beautiful things about God is that he's so, he's so forgiving and he's so loving that he judges you in the moment right? He doesn't judge you for your past. He, he judges you where you're at in that specific moment. And, you know, and a perfect example would be the thief on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. So the thief on the cross, we don't know his whole life, but we can assume that it wasn't the best life because he was getting, he was getting the death penalty, right? So he probably wasn't the best dude. And the moment before he dies, he, he turns and he recognizes, he sees, he sees God in the flesh. He recognizes it. And he says, all I ask is that you remember me, right? And so God doesn't judge him for his entire past the entire what 30 40 50 years of his life he judges him on that one present moment and because of that he was redeemed for it and so we could take that i think as an example of of for all of us in our lives and it doesn't have to be just a moment of death it doesn't have to be you know like oh, are we, are we going to go to heaven someday right there's so much more to life than that although heaven someday is going to be incredible um but but taking that same principle like i don't i don't believe that anyone can miss the will of god if their heart in the present moment is directed completely towards him, because I believe that God can redeem and will redeem every difficult thing, every difficult time in our life, even the times that we've turned away from him, because the times that we've turned away from him, we've actually, in what I believe happens often is that we've actually created um, a, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the best word for it, but we've created momentum maybe. And so that when we actually do shift back and our heart becomes aligned with him once again, there's so much more momentum and power behind it. You know, I think you, you could probably go back and hear some of the stories of some, some of the great uh, men and women of God. And a lot of these people were absolutely terrible people before they got saved, right? And it was because, at least in my opinion, they had so much momentum being built up because they had basically turned away from God, but they had turned away from God, not just like, not just in a lukewarm fashion, right? But with energy and with, with, with real um, demeanor. And so when they actually shifted back in the opposite direction, they had all of that momentum. They had all that energy that was built up. And then it was now being directed towards the right way, which is towards him. 
And because of that, like God uses it. And that's why a lot of those people are just, they're experiencing incredible like miracles and breakthroughs is because of just the, the passion of their desire. And so for anyone that's, you know, let's say you've lived many years of your life, you haven't been close to the Lord, you feel like you're missing out on something, man. All I could say is like, God redeems everything. You know, all you have to do in this very moment is direct your heart back towards him. That's all you have to do, right? Is say in the center, in the, the center of your being, just direct it and say, Yahweh, I know I've lived for myself in the past, but today, right now in this moment, I literally, I literally choose you and I choose you above me. And so whatever you desire for me is now my greatest desire. And my greatest desire is to serve you and to love you and to serve and love everyone around me. And that is my, my new greatest desire and my new greatest passion. And as soon as you do that, you are shifted right back into the will of God. And things that have been, that have been blocked off from you for, for weeks, months, years, potentially even decades because of, your, because of maybe being off track or whatever spiritually, so to speak, those things can come crashing right back into your life in, in an amazing way. Some of the most amazing blessings that, um, that God has been storing up for you, you know. Uh, so that's, that's, what, that's what I would say is I don't, I don't believe that you can, you can ever miss the will of God um, as, as long as your heart is directed toward back, in, back towards him. Amen. Yeah, I love that. It's amazing how merciful the Lord is. And uh, I love that example of the thief on the cross. It's one moment and it could change everything. Uh, so I just had one more question before you for uh, we wrap it up. I was just wondering kind of how it, what does intimacy kind of look like in your life? Like how could somebody get to know the Lord a little more now? I know you shed a little bit of light on it before, but I was wondering if you could just go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, sure. And I think that's such a great question, Tom, because I, I believe that one of the probably the most important thing um, that, that is least often taught within the body of Christ today is how to actually commune with God. You know, there's a, there's a few incredible people out there that have really gone deep and have taught on it. You know, some of the some of the mystics and the saints of old, even some people nowadays. But but by and large, you know, most of the teaching within the body of Christ today is really not centered on this. And a lot of it, I think, is accidental because, you know, people might just assume that, oh, everyone knows how to do this stuff. But I think the, the stark reality is that most people do not know how to truly commune with God. Right. And, and, and in, a, in a contemplative sense. And if I'm just kind of using some of the language of the mystics of old, right, but they talk about contemplation and contemplation is it's a state you can get in where you're, you're essentially your subconscious or your soul is actually communing with God continually. And it's, it's a place that you can get to where you don't even have to necessarily consciously, constantly think in your head, God, I love you, or have that continual conversation in your head with God, because that might be easy when you're just sitting on a chair doing nothing. But as soon as you go to work, as soon as someone talks to you, as soon as any kind of distraction happens, you know how hard that can be, right? And so it has to actually become imprinted into our subconscious, right? And that only happens over time. But the thoughts that we think consciously over time become programmed and become our subconscious. And then our subconscious is actually what runs our life. More than half of the things we do each and every day are run by our subconscious. We don't even think about doing them. Right? We don't think about how to say words. We don't think about blinking. We don't think about breathing. We don't think about any of these things. They just happen because we've actually imprinted them onto our subconscious. So imprinting Yahweh into your subconscious is a process that takes time. You know, the mystics of old called it contemplation. Um, and I, I mean, we could spend, you know, days and days really digging deep into, into how to do that. But I, I think uh, just as like a primer or a starter, just understanding the, the concept that, that what you think and what you feel 
are things that you can actually program over time. And as you program those things over time and direct them towards loving Yahweh, those things will begin to manifest where you'll find yourself down the road. It may be weeks, months, years later, you're starting to see that the thoughts that you're thinking are changing. They're changing from what they used to be. And the feelings in your heart are starting to change from what they used to be. And on a simple level, you know, as far as like a self-help level, we can shift our thoughts from being negative to positive. And that's, that's amazing, right? Ephesians 4, 6, we you know, think about things that are good and lovely and pure, right? But beyond that, we can actually connect to, to, to Yahweh himself. And so there's a process where we can actually, and this is where it's going to get, you know, really deep um, and take more time to explain, but we can learn to access our spiritual body through, um, through practicing, engaging with it to the point where we can actually become aware that it is a distinct part of us that's different from our body and is different from our soul, right? Our spirit, our spirit man is actually a, it's a, it's a unique and distinct part of us. And that takes time as well. But as we develop our connection with our spirit man over time, we can then become aware or pursue the connection between our spirit man and Yahweh, right? And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, but one of, one of the simplest ways is to really just connect heart to heart. So the same way if you were going to, if you were going to, uh, to love, to, if I, you know, love your mother, right? And you wanted to, to just release some love to your mom. You could just close your eyes, picture your mom, and just send some, just send some love, love waves her way, right? And that's something that we probably all do every time we think about someone near us, someone close to us, right? And that's pretty simple for us. So it's the same principle with, with Yahweh, right? If you want to do the same thing with Yahweh, and this is what prayer actually is. Prayer is just communication with someone. So in this case, communication with God. So if we want to communicate with him, we can speak words, right? But we don't have to, right? We can just close our eyes. We can connect heart to heart with him. And we can just send love. Just sending love to the Father. And it's so simple. It's so easy, right? But as we do that, and, and as we choose to continually do that over time, we actually develop a spiritual bond, a spiritual connection. And it's actually a scientific uh, quantum physical connection, too, where we actually start to become quantumly entangled with the Father and the energy of the Father. And as we build up that connection over time, down the road is where we start to, to make that, that, that bridge subconscious, right? And then things will happen over time where it becomes more and more supernatural, and we'll start to step into some of the deeper realms of of contemplation and you know step into some of the some of the greater things that we that we are all pursuing you know as sons and daughters amen good stuff man i, I feel like <laughs> going to spend some time right after i get off this uh podcast so uh amazing amazing um i i know uh you dropped a whole bunch of keys for us today and so go back and listen to this over again and uh, Ian, if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to just pray for all the listeners out there, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Yahweh, we just want to thank you so much. We want to thank you for today. Father, we want to thank you that you've given us a gift of life. Father, we want to thank you that you've created us in your image and likeness, that you've made us likened unto you, that the way we were made is like the way that you are. I want to thank you that we are sons and daughters of you, and we are brothers and sisters of the Lord Yeshua. I want to thank you for our destiny, our incredible future destiny, right? That no eye has seen, that no ear has heard, right? As, as John said, that, that what we are, we know now, but what we will become, we know not. I just want to thank you for that truth, Yahweh. I want to thank you that, that we can't even comprehend that what we're going to become, Yahweh. I want to thank you for the incredible destiny you have for each and every one of us that spans 
well beyond this lifetime. It spans into the eons and the eons and the eternities and the eternities to come. But beyond that, Father, I want to thank you, not just for what you've given us. I just want to thank you because you are good. I want to thank you because you are love. I want to thank you because you are you, Yahweh. Not because, not just because of what you've given us, but just because of who you are, because you are good, because you are love. We thank you, Yahweh, for your nature. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the ultimate goodness. You are ultimate charity. You are ultimate glory. You are ultimate love. You are ultimate selflessness. We thank you for that, Yahweh. You are so good, Father. And we choose right now, Father, to connect to you heart to heart, spirit to spirit. We choose to love you. And we ask that in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, in the coming years, Father, that you would strengthen and embolden this connection, spirit to spirit, that we have with you, Father, that you would begin to imprint it onto our subconscious, Father, so we would become more and more aware subconsciously, Father, with our connection with you, Father, that you would grow that each and every day, that you would give us the you would give us the grace to pursue that and to make breakthroughs in that area, Father God, so that we would continually be molded and fashioned into your image as we pursue you, body, soul, and spirit, Yahweh. And we just thank you for this grace upon our lives, Father. We thank you for everything, Yahweh, in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, thanks, Brother Ian, for joining us. And uh hope all our listeners uh, were able to take some keys away from this today. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. River of Fire. God bless. Your presence all around. All things are new now. Can't nothing hold me down. Cause your love has set me free. Now grace and truth abound. All things work for good now. Can't nothing hold me down. Cause your love has set me free.